bow our heads in prayer. Grant, Lord, that our thoughts, our meditations during these next moments, and the words of my mouth would be pleasing in your sight, for you are our rock and our redeemer. Grant, Lord, that we would come to know you better. In your name we pray. Amen. Now, I don't know if you realize that Corinth, as they would say in North Texas, or Corinth, as they say in the Bible, that's the one I mean, Corinth and Houston and Corinth and Sugarland have something in common. We both live at crossroads of the world. I'm put a map up there, Corinth, you can't, can't see it, it's, it's right there above where it says Achaia, right where that little strip of land connects northern Greece, Peloponnesian Peninsula. The, on the one side, uh, the Saronic Gulf from the Gulf of, uh, of Corinth, the Ionian Sea and the Aegean Sea, the western half of the Roman Empire with the eastern half of the Roman Empire. If you were going from Rome to any place in the east, you traveled through Corinth. It was a business center. People from all over the world lived there, came there, did business there, traveled through there. Houston is like that. Our harbor, our airports, the oil refineries, right? The oil industry, the interstates that come together here, the NAFTA, free trade agreement, and I can't remember what the name of the new one is, have all made Houston a crossroads of the world. And Sugarland's part of that. Sugarland does not look like this room, does it? In fact, Caucasians are a minority in this community. People come and live here from all over the world, from different countries in Asia different countries in Africa, from India, from North America, South America, Europe. They come, they do business here, they, they travel through here, they come and live here. And God has put this congregation at that crossroads. In fact, Fishers is itself a crossroads. Like a lot of congregations near big cities in this day and age, people come and go in this congregation all the time. And if you do want to see what Sugarland looks like, come Monday through Friday when the parents show up with their children for preschool, the little United Nations. And, folks, this morning and this afternoon, we're going to have, like we always do, two ethnic African congregations 
that meet to worship here. One at 11 after we get done with Bible class and one at 3 o'clock as long as they can get transportation to get here. This is a crossroads. And, folks, as a congregation, we are at a crossroads in our history. A time of transition and change, of healing wounds, of financial challenges. We're at a crossroads. And God has placed us here for His purpose and mission. It's not an accident that we're here in this place, that we're here at this time. You've heard it said recently that Fishers is on a journey, and the the question gets asked, a journey where? Well, Jesus has an answer for that question. He says, go and make disciples of all nations. Or in Mark, go into all the world and preach the gospel. Here God brings the world right to us. Right? Jesus' word in Acts, you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem, in Judea, and Samaria, and to the ends of the earth, in Sugarland and Richmond, and Houston, and Texas, and the United States, and to the ends of the earth. The question is not where is God taking us on the journey, but how do we get there? How do we navigate this crossroads to accomplish that mission? That's that's the question we're going to look at the next several weeks during the rest of Epiphany in our sermons. It's an important question because crossroads are hazardous places. Collisions happen at crossroads. You know, when I was in Germany, and the Bowers can bear this out since they've been there, there's a, there's, right down from the church, there's an intersection, very busy intersection, and, and I would cross through that intersection on foot almost every day, sometimes multiple times. And I saw all sorts of accidents or the results of accidents there, people who got hit by a car, people who got hit by, or cars that got hit by the, the U-Bahn, the commuter train that goes through there, people, cars that hit one another, bikers that got, I saw one guy get thrown off his bike because the driver didn't see him as he turned the corner and saw that biker get up and cuss that driver out in German, <laughs> which is a great language for that kind of thing. Congregations are no different. People collide in congregations, folks. It happens. Why? Because we're all different. We all have our own ideas. And guess what? We are all sinners. And sometimes we rear up and want things to be done our way and no other way. And sometimes we 
in our stubbornness, find it hard to say, I'm sorry, I was wrong. And sometimes it's difficult to forgive. People collide with one another. Conflicts are going to happen at crossroads. Corinth is the perfect example. Paul wrote the letter to the Corinthians because there was conflict. Because people were colliding in that congregation. Listen to these words. He says, It has been reported to me by Chloe's people that there is quarreling among you, brothers. You know, C.S. Lewis, I don't know if, how many of you have ever heard of him. He is a great Christian apologist of the 20th century. He wrote a book. I'm not talking about the Chronicles of Narnia. It's called... Well, that's it. You probably can't see it too well. It's the screw tape letters. And in this book, a senior demon is advising his nephew demon Wormwood on how to afflict Christians. And one chapter, his advice to Wormwood is get them to argue about unimportant things. Get them to argue about candles about hymnals. It'll distract them. And they'll forget the mission. Wow. You know what they were arguing about in Corinth? Who their favorite pastor was. See the words? What I mean is that each one of you says, I follow Paul. Or I follow Apollos. Or I follow Cephas, or I follow Christ. You know, our congregations in, in our world are no different. Believe this or not, people in one service sometimes gripe about the other service. That never happens here. Nobody ever argues about whether it's traditional or contemporary, do we? Some churches, they argue and get upset and angry about money. Can you believe that? Sometimes, sometimes people argue over whether it's the individual cup or the common cup. It happens, folks. It happens all time. And when it happens, those kinds of things distract us, just like C.S. Lewis pointed out, from the mission. We take our eyes off of Christ, and the danger is, when that happens, the danger is people get hurt. Now, folks, when I was a teenager, we had a, a friend come to our youth group who was searching for God. He didn't come from a Christian family. And one Saturday evening, we got in this argument over something that was completely silly, and we were angry with each other. These are teenagers, right? He didn't say anything until finally we quieted down. He says, I don't get it. I thought you guys had something special here, something I needed. 
I guess not. And he got up and he left. And I've wondered about Kevin and his faith or lack thereof ever since. How do you navigate crossroads? Well, as I thought about that, I thought about a mission trip to China that Linda and I were on with some members of the church when John was there. And we were in a, a little city by China standards, only a couple million. Zhongmen, you probably never heard of it. And we, were, we were going from the church, St. Paul's Church, to a restaurant that the missionaries always liked to take groups to. And we came to this road. Now that's India. But it's the best picture I could find so you would understand what I'm talking about. There were cars going every which way, people walking, people on bicycles, people in rickshaws, and nobody paying attention to what lane they were in. And traffic laws were basically traffic suggestions. And I said, we got to go across that? How do we get across there? John, who's been living there for about a year and a half at that time, said, it's simple. Stick together, move as one, and keep moving forward. The drivers see us, Dad. As long as we keep moving forward in the same direction, they have a plan for getting around us. It's when you stop or you go off in your own direction or a different direction or go backwards. They don't have a plan for that. That's when you get hit. Well, think about what Paul says to us in 1 Corinthians chapter 1, right? First thing he says, he's saying to us is stick together, move as one, right? I mean, listen to the words from Paul. He says, I appeal to you, brothers, by the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, that all of you agree. And that there be no divisions among you, but that you be united in the same mind and the, and the same judgment. See, Paul brings us right back, right? I appeal to you in the name of Jesus Christ. He brings us right back to that which makes us one, that brings us together. Jesus. His love. His death for our sins. His resurrection, victory over the grave. Jesus is the tie that binds our hearts in Christian love. We are not here simply people who sit in the pew next to each other. We are not just members of the same congregation. We are not simply friends. We are not simply cars passing at an intersection. We, because of Jesus, are blood relatives. Washed clean in the blood of the Lamb, Jesus Christ. We are members of the household of God, members of God's own family, God's sons and daughters, adopted by him in the waters of baptism to be his children. It doesn't matter who baptized you that you're baptized. It doesn't matter which kind of cup you use at communion. It's what God gives you in the cup. Was Paul crucified for you? No. Neither was Braun. 
Neither was Bauer. Jesus was. Jesus is the key. You know, we walked together across that road that day around John. Well, I don't want you crossing this intersection centered around me. We crossed this intersection centered around Jesus. And that's why he brings us back here. That's why we come to hear his word. That's why we have communion on the first, third, and fifth Sundays. Right? By those things, he takes our eyes off of ourselves and he fixes us again on Jesus. There are a couple of of phrases in this text that Paul uses that are just really powerful when you understand. First of all, he says that we would all agree. Literally, what Paul pleads for is that you all say the same thing. That's what that means. Now, that doesn't mean that we all agree on everything. But what it means is that we speak to one another from the same heart, from the same desire for peace and harmony and getting along, so that when we speak to one another in disagreement, we are not disagreeable and mean-hearted. And it's not about getting our way, but about serving one another. Then there's the other phrase says that you may be perfectly united in mind and heart. You want to know the literal translation? That we might be mended and restored to one another in mind and heart. God brings us back to Jesus because his desire is to mend our wounds, heal our division. So that we in Christ can stick together and move as one. He does this, folks, by forgiving us, by grace. And by that grace, teaching us the two most important phrases in any relationship, in any marriage in any community, in any church, I'm sorry. And I forgive you. That's how he helps us move as one. But you know, John had one more little piece of advice for us that day. He said, keep Moving forward. Because if you stop in the middle of the road, if you move backwards or get afraid of what's going on around you or behind you, you're going to get hit. Well, I think, in a sense, Paul is saying that. I'm, no, I, I understand that's a picture from the Beatles. You can tell I'm a, I'm a, I'm a long here. I like classical music. I didn't know that was Yellow Submarine or something like that. Christ did not send me to baptize, Paul writes, but to preach the gospel. Not with eloquent words, wisdom, lest the cross of Christ be emptied of its power. 
Stick together, move as one, keep moving forward. The worst thing we can do is let financial challenges or conflict or anger or fear cause us to stop in the middle of the intersection. We don't have anything to be afraid of. You know what Jesus says as we move into the intersection? As he says, go and make disciples of all nations, baptize. You know what he says? I, he, will be with you always. That's his promise to us. So we don't need to be afraid. Key to moving forward is this. Stick together in Christ. Move as one in Christ. Keep moving forward in Christ. Amen? Amen. Now may the peace of God which passes all human understanding. Keep your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus unto life that is everlasting. Amen. Would you, um, I believe, yes, stand and we'll say the Apostles' Creed. I believe in God, the Father Almighty, maker of heaven and earth, and in Jesus Christ, his only Son, our Lord, who was conceived by the Holy Spirit, born of the Virgin Mary, suffered under Pontius Pilate, was crucified, died, and was buried. He descended into hell. The third day he rose again from the dead. He ascended into heaven and sits at the right hand of God the Father Almighty. From thence he will come to judge the living and the dead. I believe in the Holy Spirit, the Holy Christian Church, the communion of saints, the forgiveness of sins, the resurrection of the body, and the life everlasting. Amen. You may be seated as we now receive the offering, a time to give our